Good morning, everyone. We're just so glad to see you here. I I'm going to have to ask you to help me today, though, for the other half that couldn't make it because a million different things. You guys are going to have to be twice as engaged today, okay? So you're going to have to engage twice. But to those of you who called yesterday and today and are watching online, we just want to greet you, and we're so glad that you're with us as well today. We are in this series called Clawson DNA, and so one of the things that I felt like we should do is look up in the dictionary and find what is DNA. What does it mean? And so we probably think we know. We probably have some kind of idea of what DNA is. But here's the official <laughs> definition of DNA, okay? It's the genetic instruction for the development, functioning, growth, and reproduction of all known organisms. Let me read it again. It is the genetic instructions. You ever seen those two lines running with all them little balls on it or whatever they are, you know? So that's what we call DNA when you're looking at a book, right? You see it on there. But what does it actually mean? What is that, what is that all about, you know? It is the genetic instruction for the development, functioning, growth, and reproduction of all known organisms. What does that mean? Here's what it means to me, okay? It means when smart people look at us, they go, that's what they're made of. That's why they do what they do. That's who they are, okay? And so for the last two weeks, as Pastor said, we have been looking at the DNA, or you could say it is, what makes our church develop, function, grow, and reproduce? You could say that. What is it about our church that makes us grow and reproduce and function? In other words, what is it that makes us who we are? And you know here at Clawson, you know, we, we have a way of pulling people into our DNA. Have you ever noticed that? You know, to kind of show you what I mean is, let me just say this, and I, this is where I need y'all to step up and help me either laugh, cheer, do something. I mean, anything. I don't even care. I'll pay you when the service is over, okay? So just help me out. <laughs> it's limited pay. I just, <laughs> but I appreciate the Yahoo over there, as I tell you. You're getting the most. Whatever we're giving, you're getting the most, okay? <laughs> You might be a Clawsonite. Anybody ever heard that you might be a redneck? Well, you might be a Clawsonite if you think that having Hell House for two weeks in October is a good way of countering spiritual darkness of Halloween. Any Clawsonites out there? <laughs> you know, it's too close to Hell House. We hadn't gotten over it yet, have we? It's like nobody's cheering for that. You might be a Clawsonite if you think that buying, wrapping, and taking out to all parts of the community, hundreds of Christmas gifts at Christmas is a good idea. <laughs> Wasn't that great? How many of y'all went out there and took all those presents and gave them away? God bless all of y'all. You are Clawsonites for sure. You are tagged Clawsonite with DNA, okay? You might be a Clawsonite if you think that boiling and eating crawfish is a good idea at church. <laughs> well, I thought it was a good idea until we had our first one and then the place smelt for like a month like crawfish, right? But it is a lot of fun and we like to do that here at Clawson. And last but not least, you might be a Clawsonite if when you are trying to sleep at night, you see yellow school buses dancing in your head. You could be a class tonight. And thank for all of you who drive those buses and, and all of you who monitor those buses. It, you're awesome. So, so what is our DNA here? We are family. You know, a good church, that's what they do. They become family. In fact, I'll tell you, a lot of times 
It feels like sometimes church people are as close as my family. Like they're, sometimes it feels like they're closer than parts of my family. Because that's what church is. It's what we do. We become a family. Look over at the person close to you. If you're new here, it might not be the case. But, but, but probably if you've been here a while, I'm going to tell you that person means something to you sitting over on one side and the other. You know, I, I may have family members who's never prayed for me. But there's probably very few people in this church right now who hadn't prayed for me at one point or another. You know, I, I may have family People who hadn't encouraged me, but there's very few people in this church that hadn't encouraged me at some point. We become family. It's just awesome. That's what church does. Come on, give me a good amen out there. That's just what we do. The second thing that Pastor Josh mentioned this morning is the, the spirit takes preeminence. That is, y'all, we have a plan up here and the spirit just goes another direction. I can't tell you how many times when I was pastoring on a Friday or a Saturday night, man, it's getting almost church time, and then the Holy Spirit says, well, we ain't going with that anymore. And if you don't know what that means, that means I was planning on talking about something, and it just got iced. I mean, I try to, I try to figure out how I'm going to say it. Well, it's not coming out. There's nothing happening. And, you're, and the Holy Spirit is saying, you got to scratch that. Well, that happens in a service from time to time. Man, you were going to go this way, and everything is pushing against that. And you say, okay, Lord, what should we do then? Which direction should we go? And that happens here a lot, and so that's part of it. And I, I'm glad to be a part of a church that does that. I'll be honest with you. Yes, it's scary. Yes, you don't know what you're doing. But look, let me tell you something. God, we are natural. God is supernatural, everybody. And if you want to have a real presence of God, you've got to allow the supernatural to come in and do its thing. Come on, say a good amen if you believe that. So a lot of times we just got to go with the Lord, and that's, that's fine and good. It's more scary for the guy behind the microphone than it is anybody else. But just go with it and, and just pray for him or her or whatever. And, so, and, then, and then Pastor Josh did a great job uh, last week talking about that your expectation expects your experience. Just like the lady who said, man, if I could just press through this crowd and touch the hem of his garment, I know. She said, I know that I know that I know that I know that I would be healed. And, man, she did that. She pushed through that big crowd of people, and she touched the hem of Jesus' garment, and her expectation really did produce an experience. Or how about the four friends that tore the roof off the house, man, and let that impotent guy down to Jesus? And here's what they had to be thinking. You know how they had to be thinking this? If we could just get this guy to Jesus. Man, something good would happen. Have you ever been on your way to church or maybe it's Saturday and you go, man, I got to get to church. If I could just get to church, I know something good would happen. And that's what your expectation does. Listen, everybody, your expectation affects your experience. It really does. How many of you come here expecting something this morning? How many of you, let me ask you a funny question, okay? Just, can you be funny with me a little bit? How many of you come here and you're expecting something, but you don't know what? <laughs> you know, it's like, um, man, I want God to do something, but I just really don't know what I need him to do. That's okay. Just keep expecting and let God do what he does. How many of you know, God does know what to do. And so that's okay. My job today is to share on these two core values. We work like someone's life depends on it because it does. Isn't that good? We work like someone's life depends upon it because it does. And we give all that we have and all that we are to reach all the people. So let's start with, well, let's pray first. Father, we ask you just to lead us as we was talking about a minute ago. Holy Spirit, would you just guide these words today? Let me say what you want me to say and let me not say anything you don't want me to say. I pray that you would supernaturally impact the hearers. Now, that is, would those that are listening, would you let them hear it in such a way that they need to hear it? 
And may it do something incredible to our hearts and minds today. We pray for all of that in the wonderful name of Jesus and all of God's people said amen and amen. So let's start today with we work like someone's life depends on it because it does. In the book of John chapter 9, I wish I'd already told you the chapter, but I, I, I hadn't. But if you want to look at it, great. If not, we're going to put it up here on the screen as well. In John chapter 9, these are some very powerful words that Jesus spoke. And I want you to see them either up here in your Bible. He said this, I must, and I just want you to notice that is an incredible, I must. Somebody say, I must. That's a powerful statement to begin with. He said, I must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. The night is coming when no man can work. I must do what God has called me to do. I must do the work of the one who has sent me while I have the opportunity because the opportunity will soon be passed and there will not be an opportunity to do that. I just want to say that's true for us too, y'all. There's only one life, how quickly it's passed, and only what's done for Christ will last. And that's true for all of us. In other words, I used to be young, but that's quickly fading away. Whatever I'm going to do, I better hurry up. Come on, somebody say amen. I better hurry up and get it done. Whatever it's going to be, I better hurry up and get it done because it's passing quickly. Thank God Jesus came. He finished the work that God had sent him to do. What does that look like? That was his sinless life, his death on the cross, his resurrection from the grave, his ascension to the Father, his intercession for us. But here's what he did. As he was going away, he commissioned all of us to go into the world and preach the gospel to all of the people. That's his last command to us. He said, look, I must do what I have to do. And then he said, I'm now giving you the incredible responsibility now of finishing the work that I've begun. Now it's up to you to take it and do what I've asked you to do. No, so here's what Jesus said in a couple of places. He said this, don't hide your light under a bushel. What did he say? Let it shine for all men to see. In other words, the talent, the ability, whatever God has given you, he said, I've done what I'm supposed to be, I'm, I'm supposed to do. Now you do what I've called you to do. And then remember the story of the talents, an incredible story. He, he said, look, don't bury your talent in the ground and waste the opportunity that I've given you, but uh, use that talent and let God expand it. Now you might say, Pastor Kevin, I don't have a whole lot of talent. Well, I can tell you that's true for most of us when we begin. In fact, uh, if you'd heard me preach the first time that I ever preached, you would say I would never be a preacher. That's just kind of the way it all works. Come on. The first time people sing, they're so nervous. They're probably a pretty good singer, but they're quaking and shaking, and they can't hardly get it out. That's just with all of us. But how many of you know, if you begin to use that talent, what did God say he would do with that talent? He would multiply it, and then before you know, you're better at something, and God gifts you with greater gifts. But he said, if you don't use your talent, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to take your talent away from you. I'm going to give it to somebody else. So here's what Jesus is saying. Look, I've done the work. Now it's your turn. You take the gospel to all the world. Share it in the marketplace, on the job, with your friends all over the world. Let your light shine. Then Ephesians 2 and 10, look up on the board, on the screen here. For we are his workmanship. Isn't that incredible? We. Everybody say we. We are his workmanship. Look at this. Created in Christ Jesus. For what? Purpose. Unto good works which God hath ordained 
That we should walk in them. That we should walk in what? Good works. He, he ordained our lives before the foundation of the world. He finished the work of God. And then he says, hey, everybody, I'm going to give you, I'm going to give you talents, and you walk in that, and you go out and share the love of God with people who need it. Unfortunately, work has taken on a negative connotation in our, in our world over the last few years. And I don't know how. I don't know why that happened. Many have decided that if they can make it without working, that's what they're going to do. If they can make it without a job or whatever, that's what they're going to do. But imagine with me for just a moment. When I thought about this, I'd literally never thought about this before. I'll be honest with you. I never thought about this. And I wrote it down just like I thought it. Check it out. See what you think. Imagine a world without work for a moment. What would that look like? If everyone decided that they just weren't going to work anymore. You, without work, there'd be no houses to live in. There'd be no cars to drive. Be no roads to drive on. There'd be no bridges to drive. No churches to worship at. No food to eat. No hospitals for the sick. No place to care for the elderly. No schools to teach our children. No good water to drink. No electricity. Without work, our world would be a far less wonderful place to live in. So I just want to say, may God bless all of the hard workers of this nation. You are making an incredible difference in all of our lives in whatever you do. Thank you for the gift. You see, you've taken whatever talent God's given you, and you're using it in a physical, in a natural sense, and you are making our world a better place. Well, what if we all decided that we weren't going to do any more spiritual work? What would that look like? What if we all decided that we weren't going to pursue any spiritual work anymore? No more sharing the love of Christ with others. No more feeding the hungry like we do at this church all the time. No more clothing the needy. No more worship on this stage because that's work. No more playing of these incredible instruments and making this incredible music. No more preaching or praying for others. No more encouragement. No more giving to the poor. And no more missions work. No, oh, I'm going to tell you what would happen is not only would our world be a much sad and darker place, but think about it, all of the souls that would never be saved. All of the people that would never be encouraged. You know, one of the reasons that I come to church every time I can is because when I leave there, something has been said. Something has happened that encourages me and helps me to keep on moving forward. And that's what a part of it is. And so just think about all that would think about the disappointment of Christ, him having come. And we decided that he, our work, our thing is more important than his thing. Think about how heartbroken he would be. One of the most difficult scriptures you could ever read in the Bible is found in the book of Matthew chapter 25. And I'm going to turn there real quickly. It's a hard passage to read. I understand that. It's a parable about the separation of the sheep and the goats. So let me just read a few verses. And I know it's hard. Bear with me if you would. Then shall the king say, this is verse 34, unto those on his right hand, come you blessed of my father. Inherit the kingdom prepared from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me meat. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you took me in. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. Then shall the righteous answer and say, Lord, when saw we thee a hungry or fed thee, thirsty, gave thee drink? When saw we thee a stranger and took thee in or naked and clothed thee? 
Or when saw we thee sick and in prison and came to thee? And the king shall answer. Everybody check it out. Verse 40, such a powerful, powerful verse. The king shall answer and say to them, Verily I say unto you, inasmuch as you have done it unto the least of one of these my brethren, you have done it unto me. Everybody look up here for just a minute before I read the rest of it. What he was saying is every time you cl uh, close someone out in the workplace, listen, there's this you take clothes often out of this church and go clothe people on the streets. Every time you feed a hungry person, listen, you're not just feeding them. You are feeding them, but you're not just feeding them. You're doing as you're, what you're doing as unto the Lord. Say a good amen. amen. And obviously records are being kept. Lord's keeping records. Man, he's like, good job, good job, good job. Verse 41, check it out. Then shall he say also to them on the left hand, depart from me, you cursed into everlasting fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. Because when I was hungry, you gave me no meat. I was thirsty, you didn't give me drink, stranger. You didn't take me in when I was naked, you didn't clothe me. I was sick in prison, you didn't visit me. Then shall they answer and say, Lord, when saw we thee a hunger and thirst, stranger, naked, sick, or in prison, and did not minister to you? Then he shall answer them, saying, Verily I say unto you, inasmuch... As you did it not to one of the least of these, you did it not unto me. Now, I want to make a very important point because I don't want any of you to go away from here misunderstanding what I'm saying. I don't pretend to know everything these verses are saying. I just want to be honest with you about that. I do, however, know this. We are not saved by works. Let me try it again. We are not saved by works. We are saved by the finished work of Jesus Christ, period. We are saved. Listen, it's not of works of righteousness that I have done, but it's his mercy <laughs> that he saved me. Come on, somebody. That's what it's all about. So we are not saved by works. There's an old song that says Jesus paid it. And then what? All to him I owe, okay? So, so I, I want to ask you a powerful question with that thought in mind because this is true. We are not saved by works. If that is so true, then we need to ask ourselves this important question. Why then is work so important to God? Why is it splattered all through the Bible? You can't turn very many pages until you encounter it. Listen, he said, I must work while it's day. The night is coming. Go into the world and preach the gospel. Feed, clothe, give. This powerful scripture here in Matthew. Why is it so important to Christ that once we are saved by the grace of God, that we go to work for the Lord and do kingdom work? Why is that so important? Here's the answer. It's because most of the world is still lost. Most of the world do not know Jesus Christ, and it seems to be escalating. Most of the world is lost. Listen, it breaks the heart of God anytime someone dies without God and goes to hell. That's powerful, y'all. That is gigantic to the Lord. And that's why the scriptures are just full of not works. Listen, look up here for just a minute. Not works so that you can be saved. Works so that someone else can be saved. You see the difference, how important it is and how it works. Many have never even had one chance in our huge world to accept Jesus Christ as their Savior. Tina and I was preaching in Thailand one time, and 
granted, we were preaching to people that was poorly clothed. Some weren't clothed at all. And they were riding oxen. That was their form of transportation. And I could go on, but I'll just stop. I'll just right there. And so, uh, but they had never, while I was preaching, I asked, have you ever heard of a man named Jesus Christ? You know what they said? Never. It's true in Russia. We've been to China. It's true in China. It's true in many places in our world. And even in America, there's a real, there's a real need for the gospel to be preached in a way where people can receive it. So let me just end this first point. It's so important with this last thought on work, okay? If all you ever do in this life is physical work, if all you ever do in this life is physical work, you build things, you grow things, you sell things, you fix things, you have made our world a much better place to live in. Thank you. Thank you for doing that. All of you who fix my air conditioners, thank you. God bless you. And my plumbing, thank you. And the roof. And my car. My driveway. You, you get in the picture? You've made my life better. Thank you. But here's the deal. Everything here on planet Earth will one day decay or be destroyed by fire. However, if you add to your work some eternal work, come on, somebody. You're not only laying up treasures in heaven, but you are also helping others to have a chance to see the love of God in your labor of love and turn to Jesus Christ and be saved. Now, Pastor Josh told me that I could take just a minute and honor a couple of people in our church that work so hard. And I realize there's a lot, of, a lot of people that are not here this morning. So I begin to think about that. Who would, who would I honor today for the hard work that you do? And as I begin to think about this, I realize that there are so many people in our church who work so hard that it would be difficult to just honor one person. I thought about, of course, I thought about uh, Paul Stringer and Vicki Powell and all of you hardworking people who feed all of the folks who come on Wednesday nights. You give them food. I, I thought about you guys. You, you deserve a lot of honor. But then I thought about, well, but what about those amazing bus drivers and those monitors? I mean, I just couldn't honor the food people without honoring the bus drivers, right? I, so, I, and then as I thought about them, I thought, what about Stephanie and all the people who cook for us on Wednesday nights, that whole crew back there? Or what about Steve Hampton who cooks for us breakfast on Sunday morning? I mean, where would, you, where would you start? Where would you stop? You know, all the people who work with children and youth in our church, all the ones that work. So here's what, I, here's what I decided to do. Instead of honoring anybody on our teams, I decided, and Pastor Josh may not like this, but right now I have the microphone. <laughs> I may not ever get it again after this, but I'm just saying right now I have it, right? I decided that I would honor our pastor. 
And let me just tell you some stuff that you, yeah, you can give him a hand, but I'm going to ask you to give him another one in just a minute. A couple of things you may not know about Pastor Josh, and I just slipped up on him, even though I know about him personally because I've been there and done that. But anyway, did you know that during the holidays, Thanksgiving and Christmas, Pastor Josh worked some 70, 80 plus hours here at the church? And I know about this a little bit. He didn't have enough time to get ready for Sunday, so he actually slept in his office, stayed as long as he could, then went to sleep and got up as early as he could to try to get his message ready to speak to us, to encourage our church. That's the kind of labor that our pastor's given. I want you to give a great round of applause for our hardworking pastor here today. That's right. <laughs> Woo! All right, that's enough applause. Sit down. <laughs> oh, yeah. You deserve all of that and more. It's so hard for us, Pastor. It's incredible what you do for us. Thank you so much. And, uh, and working hard for Jesus. So real quickly, just a couple of thoughts about our second portion of this, of this sermon. We give all that we have and all that we are to reach all of the people. It's a powerful DNA point that's brought out here. We give all that we have. You know, today is, and yesterday is, uh, playoff time for football. And yesterday, both teams that I wanted to win won. Hallelujah. <laughs> How many of you, as soon as this service is over, going to be cheering for the Cowboys? Yeah. <laughs> hey. I told you, get excited a little bit here this morning, you know. So <laughs> how many of you going to be cheering for whoever the Cowboys are playing? Let me see it again. <laughs> Lord Jesus, how do you keep us all together? But you do. So anyway, so, so here's what we're going to do. Just talk a little bit during playoff, I mean, playoff times. You hear this over and over and over. If you watch anything leading up to the playoffs, it's important that we don't leave anything on the field. It's important that we give our all. It's important. Listen to this. I love this statement from football players. It's important that every single person plays as hard as they can on our team to win. I want to say that's so true about the church. Uh, this section over here, there's not, a, there's not a person in this section that you're not important to what we do here. This section right here, I want you to know we are depending on you guys to leave it all out there on the field. I want you to know over in this section... You guys, the encouragement, the prayer, whatever you do, all that you do is so important. And I want to challenge you again. Give it all. Give it all. Amen. We don't have much time. Listen, this is just one game we're in. This is a Super Bowl game that we're in right now. Give it all. Leave it on. This section right here, you are so important to the kingdom work. You are so important to what God is doing. And listen, all together as a team, if we come together and do this right, we can impact this community. We may even impact the world. Give the Lord a good praise offering this morning. We give it all. All that we have. All that we are to reach all of the people. I want to share with you just real quickly, and I have no idea what time. Is that the time? That's the time. Oh, have a, we didn't have that when I was preaching. Hallelujah. <laughs> hey, take that time down so I don't have any idea what time it is. No, I'm just playing. Three very, very important scriptures. That is really cool, though. <clears throat> 
Y'all, my uh, oldest son, when you get old, you have lots of stories. How many of you know what I'm talking about? My oldest son, I don't wear a watch. I don't wear a watch because I've been a construction person, and I get dirty, and I wash my hands a lot, and I take my watch off, and I leave it places. <laughs> Anybody can feel the pain that I'm suffering through right up here? So my, wa- my son, he didn't tell me how much it was, but he said, Dad, that's an expensive watch. Please hang on to it. Well, I was out in Livingston working on one of my houses, and I was hungry. And I went down to the restaurant, and I washed my hands. And it wasn't until about four hours later that I remembered I set my watch up on the sink. I'm sure, see, why do old people like us do that kind of stuff? Because back in our days, there wasn't any waterproof watches. Duh. (laughs) Hey, I appreciate it. You wouldn't laugh so hard at that. (laughs) Oh, well. Anyway, Ecclesiastes chapter 9 and verse 10. I'm going to, Andrew, if you don't mind, I'm going to look with you, okay? Ecclesiastes 9 and verse 10. This is a powerful verse that challenges us to give it all. Check it out, everybody. Whatsoever your hands find to do, did that qualify anything? Everything you do. Come on, just say everything I do. Say it one more time. These guys were louder than you guys. Y'all show them what's up over here. Everything I do. That's what I'm talking about. Everything I do, whatsoever their hands find to do, do it with all your might. I love this second part of the scripture. Sometimes we stop right there. But to me, this is the best part. For there's no work. There's no device. There's no knowledge. There's no wisdom in the grave where you're going. Let me, let me explain what that verse is saying. This is your one shot. Whatever you're going to do, Give it your all because this is your one opportunity. Dig your talent out of the sand. Let your light come out from under the bushel and give it everything you have because when you die, it's over. It's over. (laughs) I used to never think about dying much, but I'm thinking about it more and more all the time, so I'm just saying. Whatever you find to do, do it with all of your might. There's another verse I want to share with you. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, and I'm going to look up here with you again so I don't have to just turn all over in my Bible. I love this verse too. It just goes right along with what we're talking about, leaving it all on the field. Whether therefore you eat or drink, have you noticed these verses just say, look, whatever you're doing. I mean, who, who, who would believe with me that probably one of the least important things that we're going to do today is eat and drink? So here's what he says. Even on the least important thing that you're going to do. Isn't that powerful? Now, if he would have started this verse saying, hey, man, when you do these really important jobs, I want you to give it your all. No. No, 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 no. He said, look, even on the least important things that you're going to do in life, here's what you do. You do it all for the glory and the honor of God. Whatever you're going to do, 
You do it as unto the Lord. You do it for the glory of God so that when other people watch you live out your life, they give honor and glory to God. They say, man, look, that person, man, they work like they work so hard. That is so honorable. That person in their work, man, they just, they have character. There's a quality of character about their life. That person, man, when they do this or that or whatever it may be, they're doing it for the honor and glory of God. That's why this afternoon when I go eat, I'm going to eat like a horse. I mean, I'm going to get down on that boy. I'm going to do it everything I have for the glory of God. And then when I drink, I'm going to drink two Dr. Peppers today just to make. <laughs> on the real, on the real, whatever you do, honor God in it. How many of you, how many of you see how big that is? Whatever you do, honor God in it. And finally, the last scripture before we pray is found in Colossians 3 and verse 23. And again, I'm going to look with you. That's okay. Whatever you do, this is powerful. When I saw that word, how many of you know y'all hadn't even seen the King James in a few years, right? So Andrew was making fun of me last night about the King James. He said, now, is this the King James or the new King James? I said, you see anything new here about me? <laughs> no, it's the old King James, okay? It's the original. But what a word. Every once in a while, even the King James, man, there's just a word in there just goes, wow. Here's what it is. Do it heartily. And what does that mean? Whatever you do, whatever you do, do it with all your heart. Now, you know the greatest commandment of all is to love the Lord with all your heart. But you know there's a scripture in the Bible right here. Here's what it says. Whatever your hands find to do, do it. I, I just want to say this because I've been saying it all my life and I believe it. Look, I, I don't, I'm, I'm not trying to hurt anybody's feelings. I'm not trying to make anything out of anything. But listen, I want to tell you something. The best workers in the world should be Christians. The hardest working, best attitude, whatever that looks like. Listen, I'm going to tell you, wherever you go, whatever you do, you ought to be the best and the finest and the most and, the, and whatever that looks like. Whatever you do, do it with everything you have. Why? Because you are a, represent, a representative of the King of kings and the Lord of lords. You're here to bring up glory and honor to God. And I'm going to tell you what's going to happen when you do. Somebody's going to look at your life and go, man, there's something different about her. Man, there's something different about that guy. Put it up there one more time and let me see if I can finish it. I love this verse. Whatever you do, do it with all your heart. And then you got to love this part. Before I, before I share this last part, does anybody ever get irritated with people? Yeah. <laughs> well, this is going to help you then. Let me ask you, I should have asked that different. Is there anybody never gets irritated with people? Okay, so we're all on the same page. So here, here's the deal. Here's what the scripture says. This is so powerful, y'all. Hey, somebody remind me of this in a couple of weeks. Not you, though, D. <laughs> Not you. <laughs> we work together. <laughs> somebody remind me of this in a couple of weeks. I don't care that you, D. It's all right. You see, the reason we get agitated with people is we start doing things for people. Even when you're doing things for people, you still should be doing it as unto the Lord. But I've learned a secret. <laughs> I've learned a secret. I'm going to share with you today. If you're doing things for the Lord, 
then ugly people doesn't seem near as ugly. And I don't mean, I don't mean not beautiful. I mean, you know, ugly. Ugly attitude, ugly mouth, ugly all that. Somehow or another, when you're doing it unto the Lord, but isn't it, isn't it easy to forget we're, <laughs> we're doing it unto the Lord? And my, as my daughter often say, you want me to punch her in the face? <laughs> I was like, <laughs> well, sometimes I do, you know. <laughs> Is Brady in here today? I, I did something sweet for somebody at, the, at Hudson School the other day. I just found this so funny. I bet I laughed for 10 minutes. Y'all know Brandy. She drives a bus for us here at Clawson. Probably most of you know her. She's worked in the kitchen. So. But she said, the other day somebody did something nice for me. They bought me a gift card. So I got on the speaker of my bus, and I, 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 it was her name, Sheree. I said, Sheree, thank you so much. And she said, you're welcome. And so by the time Brandy texted me, and she said, that you're welcome sure was, didn't sound very nice. You want me to punch her in the face? <laughs> she said, I can't beat somebody up. No. Whatever you're doing, you're not doing it for people. You're not even doing it against people. You're not even doing it for people. You're doing it unto the Lord. And you know something? Everybody look up here for just a minute. That changes everything. That changes everything. Bow your heads and close your eyes with me. Let me say this to you. A band, would you come? Singers, prayer partners, would you come? Let me just tell you this. Honor God, and people will take notice. Give glory to God, and other people will give glory to God. We're about to pray in just a minute, and we're going to get our band to come, and our singers to come, and our prayer partners to come. And while they're coming, I want to speak this into your spirit with every head bowed and every eye closed. The kingdom of God needs everyone doing their part. The kingdom of God needs everyone doing their part. And we all need to encourage each other to keep up the good work. How many of you know that's true? We all need to encourage each other to keep up the good work so that we don't grow weary in well-doing. Because in big ways and in small ways, you are making a difference in someone's life. I want all of us to stand together, please. And I'd like for you to bow your head. Father, I'm about to just address a very important time in this service, and I pray that all of our hearts would be prepared to receive whatever you have for us today. And Father, we thank you that we thank you for that in the wonderful name of Jesus. With every head bowed and every eye closed while you're standing, if you're here today and you're not in right relationship with God, we want to invite you to step out and come to the front and find someone to pray with you. Or for you. Our prayer partners are here and we would love, absolutely love to pray for you. If you're here today and you need healing in some part of your body, you need healing in some part of your mind, you need peace, you need deliverance, whatever that looks like. You are a Christian, but you need God to touch your physical body or some other part of your life. Then I want you to step out right now. Not only can God heal you, but we've seen God do incredible miracles right here at this church over time. And I'll tell you, he wants to do that in people's lives. So just go ahead and step out and come to the front. And let's get someone to agree with you in prayer. Any two of us agree as touching anything we'll ask. The Bible says it shall be done. Hallelujah. So if you need something from the Lord, step out right now.
and just come and we're going to believe with you and pray for you. If you're here this morning and you say, Pastor Kevin, I need to rededicate myself to the work of God, to giving my best to the Lord. I just need my heart to be retouched. I've been there a thousand times. I want you to know that. But wherever you are in this building, if you would just confess with me, hey, I'm there and I need God to retouch me this morning and help me to give my best. I've slipped, I've slipped into a place where I'm not there and I want to get back to there. I've been there. I know what it looks like. I want you to step out wherever you are and just make your way to the front and we'll pray for you. And then finally, let me just say this. If you're here this morning and you want to come and find you a place of prayer, this altar is open for you to come right now. Would you do that? Step out wherever you are. Brian, would you lead us in worship as we're praying with these folks and just believing for each one today?